<laughs> well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some praise music while we allow for the audience online as well as the audience here to get settled in. We're going to play music from uh, Londa Larmond. I want to make sure, and RWP, I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. She's doing a cover for the Judith McAllister song, Hallelujah, You're Worthy to Be Praised. So, again, thanks for being here. We appreciate you very much. Londa Larmond and RWP. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I can tell it's going to be 70 degrees today. 70 plus. Dress for the weather. Brother Roscoe, good morning. <laughs> Melvin Gaines, good morning. Hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, Delia. Let me know when you guys get dried out down there. You guys heard about the rain event in Fort Lauderdale? 25 inches of rain in 24 hours. That's two inches of rain. It was coming down as far as hard as two inches of rain an hour for a while. So we had a lot of flooding. But my dad, Delia, they're fine. For one thing, they live high up. <laughs> That's helpful too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning indeed. Good morning. Amen. to join us online. Hey, Pearl, good morning. 
Isn't technology wonderful? To do this? Amen. <laughs> hey, Anne and Larry, good morning. Good morning to you as well, too. And just as a reminder for those who get online, if I can't see your name, I won't know you're there. So uh, if I don't say your, if I don't see who you are, I can't call out your name because sometimes that happens. Depends on how you log in, I guess. I think that's, I think that has everything to do with it. But that's. Amen. Worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. There she is. Good morning, Jackie. It's not over. I've heard that before. That's a Kirk Franklin line. It's not over. We appreciate you being here this morning. Amen. Hope your coffee, coffee drinkers. I hope your coffee is as good as mine this morning. Delicious. Amen. Okay, that was Londa Larmond. And RWP doing the cover of Judith McAllister's song, Hallelujah, You're Worthy to be Praised. Um, that, that actually was about six minutes, which I, I went by really fast. I didn't realize it did either, but that's good. Um, thank you again for the praise team, for the music that you present, for us to get us started into the phase of worship, because it's important for us to recognize that God is worthy of our praise. And that has everything to do with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, how much, how far along we are in our relationship, because I know that some people struggle with this idea of worship and praise, but I, I just know for a fact that when you get to know the Lord um, personally and He is working in your life, you'll get it figured out about how important it is to worship and praise Him. So we thank you again for being here this morning. We are ready to get started I wanted to go ahead and make some announcements uh, before we get going here with the Sunday School lesson. Um, first of all, on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline, uh, Facebook timeline, uh, there is a recorded message for those of you who are not coming to church uh, today here uh, or you're out of town. Your Reasonable Service is the name of the message that's going to be on the timeline right as we are just about to sign off from Sunday School um, that'll be available about 10:15. It is um, the message for today, and that is the message that will be presented today in church as well here too. 
So please uh, stay tuned to that for those of you who are not coming to church. We want you to at least get the uh, semblance of the full church experience, uh, Sunday school, and then, of course, a message as well, too. But that's message, the message is following uh, at about 10.15 or so right here on the timeline. So just stay tuned for that. Your reasonable service. Please also remember your tithes and offerings. We always make the announcement to remember to make sure that you are giving with your worshiping through giving. And you pray about that and make sure that you seek the Lord as you give. Um, if you are mailing your tithes or offerings to us, the mailing address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate uh, for those who are coming to church, we have a place where we just drop the uh, envelopes uh, in the in the foyer area. There's a box for that. So we appreciate you giving that consideration and giving it prayerful consideration as always. Amen? And that should be always done no matter what church you go to. You always want to make sure you're giving consideration to what you're giving. Um, and thank you for doing exactly that. Amen? So with that in mind, we're going to get settled in and we're going to get ready for Sunday school now. We're going to go over the passage in the book of John and we're going to be continuing from last week. John chapter 10 and we're covering today verses 31 through 42. John 10 verses 31 through 42. And again, we're continuing with the dialogue that takes place between uh, Jesus and the uh, Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, they all are ready to essentially destroy Jesus. They're just waiting for the right opportunity in their minds to do it. And what you're even going to find here at the end of uh, this particular reading that um, Jesus is in complete control of what happens in the situation. He did not... He was not crucified one second before it was time to do so. And so we have to recognize that that is exactly what's happening here. This is all what was mentioned. Uh, if you go back to Luke chapter 24, uh, of how, how all of this was mentioned in the scriptures leading up to his uh, return when he was having the conversation with the two men on the road after he had risen, uh, Jesus uh, was in complete control of all of that. It was all prophesied, it was all spoken about in Scripture, and he did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he fulfilled Scripture. And so that's the beauty of all of this, is that he intentionally went to the cross for us. And in the conflict that we have here with the religious leaders, they were very much intent on having him destroyed because of the accusations of blasphemy. We'll talk about that. But when we read into this passage, um, we're going to see exactly how in the words that Jesus gives to us, um, it gives us pause to make sure that we have the right attitude about where we are in our relationship with him. Um, something very striking, and I, haven't, I'm, I haven't forgotten where I'm at, so just bear with me here. Something very striking I was watching a television program on the way before we went got here. There are a lot of people who are in church who just don't know Jesus. There are a lot of people in leadership, preachers, that don't know Jesus. 
they they play the role of knowing Jesus, but they don't really have that relationship with him. And it explains a lot of what's going to happen. We're in the last days right now, but we have people who are going to be walking away from the faith. And we say walking away from the faith. We don't know any other way, way to really use that as far as the English language goes. But they never knew the Lord in the first place. Because if you truly are a follower of Jesus, you, it would not be in your nature to do any sort of thing, uh, sort of thing whatsoever. Yes, you're going to have fear. You're going to have trepidation. And, you know, the opposite of having faith is fear at times. And we have to make sure that we as believers don't look at the signs that are taking place in the world where we just want to shrink back. We want to stand on truth and we want to rely upon the Spirit as we go because we're living in a world that is just saturated with lies, deceit. And we want to make sure that we understand that there are people, even in the midst of churches, people in the midst of the company that we keep, who say they know the Lord, but they really don't. And so I think that that's what we have to recognize here. The religious leaders were the same types of people. They were the same types of people. They professed to be followers of God, but they clearly were not. And that's the takeaway at least I have initially here. I just came to mind, so bear with me. But what we're going to do, we're going to get into our lesson here and, and talk about exactly what Jesus was telling people. Uh, he was speaking truth the entire time, of course. So let's look at this more closely. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you have set aside for us. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders, too, that we need to stand true on the word there are people in our midst, uh, present company excluded, Lord, but we're, there are people that we have come across or we may have known that profess to be a followers of you, but yet they truly were just not following you. We've made it very easy to walk away when they made those declarations, when they, it was time to step away from the faith. And we know that as time goes along, Lord, we're going to see more and more of that. We're going to see more and more people who are not being faithful to you, who never really were believers. I pray, Lord, that as we move forward, that you just strengthen us, that you continue to encourage us with your presence. And Lord, may we not be so much surprised about what we see, but may we just much more be inclined to just stay in your very presence. And help us to move forward. And help us to stand on your truth. Help us to remember to put on the armor of God no matter what we're doing. We thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, everyone. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 10. Let's look at verse 31. John chapter 10, verse 31. And of course, this follows the verse... Um, immediately after Jesus says, the Father and I are one, which is the ultimate statement that he indeed is God. He is with God. He is in, has uh, equal ranking with God. And that was what the Pharisees were ready to deal with. So let's start with verse 31. Read through to verse 42. And 
summarize this portion here. Starting with verse 31, John chapter 10. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Verse 32, Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Verse 34, Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are God's. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father sent me apart and sent me, set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. Verse 38, but if I do his work, Believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Verse 39, once again they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River and stayed at near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. I suppose that's one of the best takeaways we can have here. People have to choose to believe who Jesus is. And they're going to choose to believe him just on faith, on what he says, or they'll believe him based upon the good works he did. Because everyone's different. Everyone has to see Jesus in a different way to come to the same conclusion that he is the Messiah. And that's exactly the case for all of us as well too. Something had to happen in your life before you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ where you had to be convinced or convicted that this is the one, Jesus is the one that I need to give my life to and this is the one I need to surrender my life to because you were a slave of sin frankly and now you are liberated in Jesus Christ because you believe in him in John chapter 8 verse 36 it says those who are free in Christ are free indeed you're free because you are no longer slaves of sin let's go back to the top of what we were reading verse 31 John chapter 10 once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And we, let's clarify, the people are the religious leaders. This is a conflict with the religious leaders who want Jesus eliminated. And they're looking for every opportunity. It almost seems like it's been dragged out, but we were reading about this same thing for the past several chapters. They've been wanting to destroy him, but they can't trip him up with his words. They can't um, befuddle him. They can't do anything of the sort. And Jesus is aware that this is what they're going to attempt to do. Then verse 32, Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? So, understand first of all, what were the, why were the religious leaders trying to, the Jewish leaders trying to carry out uh, the stoning of Jesus? I want you, just as a reminder, go back to Leviticus chapter 24. 
Leviticus 24. And it's important for us to look at these and, and be reminded exactly when you're just going back to the original Pentateuch, right? The, the words, the first five books of the Bible, where a lot of the laws were established uh, for the Jewish people to execute and make sure that they're doing these things that uh, they're doing what is necessary. Leviticus 24. And we're going to look at, start at verse 13. Leviticus 24, verse 13. 13 through, it's going to be 13 through 16. 13 through 16. Leviticus 24, verses 13 through 16. And, of course, this is all communication the Lord is speaking to Moses to record and also relay to the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 14, Bring the one who has cursed to the outside of the camp and have all who heard him lay their hands on his head and have the whole community stone him. And tell the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will bear the consequences of his sin then verse 16, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The whole community is to stone him. If he blasphemes the name, he is to be put to death, whether the resident, alien, or the native. So they're merely pointing back to the original law that's pointed out. Anyone who blasphemes, and blasphemes, let's be clear about what that represents, Anyone who claims to be God, that is what the blasphemy is. <clears throat> Pardon me. Anyone who claims to be God, that's why they intended to stone Jesus. That was why they kept picking up stones. You keep seeing references to that. And they were just fulfilling what they believed to be the truth, that this man who is speaking was trying to claim to be God. And... So we read again in verse 32, Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? So Jesus puts together the thought-provoking question. So they answered, verse 33, We're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. A mere man claims to be God. So that accusation was out there that Jesus in their minds, made himself to be God. But what we have to understand here is that Jesus is God. When you're speaking truth, you're not blaspheming. And that's what we have to come back to. But they were so bent on making sure that Jesus was destroyed, they really didn't look at the good works that he was doing. They didn't look at those different miracles. They didn't want to recognize those things. Remember, we're not that far removed from when the blind man was healed and they couldn't explain why he was healed other than the fact that he had an encounter with Jesus. He was accused of blasphemy, accused of calling himself God. And of course, that's what Jesus was doing. We just said that. The Father and I are one. He had already made that statement. And so they were outraged, of course, and now said they, they had to now take care of those things. So let's look at verse 34. It's an important passage to look at here uh, just for additional context. Jesus replied, It is written in your, script, your own scriptures that God said 
to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Now, I'm going to go over... I want you to... He's quoting Jesus in this part where he's talking about I say you are gods. He's quoting from Psalm 82. Go to Psalm 82. And remember, Jesus spoke very often in quoting Scripture from the Old Testament. Because there was New Testament then, and this was, that's where he was quoting from. So he was quoting from the Old Testament. And he is making a reference here to Psalm 82, verse 6. Now, let's be clear about what's happening here. God is speaking to the people... And he is actually making this reference um, in kind of a way to dealing with these religious leaders at the time who believed that they were set apart and that they could do whatever they wanted to do. But this was more of a condemnation at the end of it all. He says, uh, this is, he says, I said, you are gods, you are all sons of the Most High. And then verse 7 says, however, you will die like humans and fall like any other ruler. And so he's making a statement here where Scripture is capturing the fact that God is referring to these people saying, you are gods and referring yourself as gods. And that's dealing with those leaders of the time. But those leaders of the time were, they needed to understand, and God is saying this too, that, you know what, you're not going to live forever the way, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have an end to what you're doing as well too. And so Jesus is referring to this passage and note how he says, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. That's what he says in verse 35. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Jesus is unique. You know, we are, as people, we're called to be what? The children of God. We're called to be the children of God, because we are his children. We are his creation. But Jesus is unique because he is the one who has been set apart, who the Lord sanctified to come and do what he did for us on the cross. And we're reminded that while Jesus made the appearance of being fully man, he was also fully God. And that's one of those mysterious things that we can only... He's 100% man and 100% God. You know, the way we were taught in mathematics, you know, was he 50% man and 50% God? No, that's not how it works. He was 100% man because that's he was able to see and touch and feel and went to the bathroom and did all the things that we do just like human beings do. But he was also 100% God. And he said exactly, he told them exactly who he was. Remember, we're dealing with a Savior who was without sin. He did not lie about who he was. He told the truth about who he was. He was set apart, different from any other man in the world who ever existed. And he had a mission. And he acknowledged the Father and I are one. He is in the Father and the Father is in him. 
And boy, those Pharisees didn't want to hear that. They did not want to get into all of that. And there's one other passage I want to look at too. Go to Exodus 7. Exodus 7. Using the paper methods, I could have gone electronically and just started pushing buttons. Like, yeah, let's just use the Bible today. Exodus seven, and we're going to verse. I just saw it. Oh, verse one. The Lord answered Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. <laughs> See, this is how God makes these references to us to represent that what he will do in the case of dealing God of, of uh, Moses dealing with Pharaoh, he's going to elevate him to make him look like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. And, of course, he goes on to say from there, You must say whatever I command you, then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh so that he will let the Israelites go from his land. So we're looking at this language here about how God has used this terminology to communicate. Um, if God called the Israelite leaders gods because they were agents of God's revelation and will, how could it be blasphemy for Jesus to call himself the Son of God? Well, it can't. It couldn't be. So I want you to see that example in Scripture that Jesus was referring to. And he was rebuking, of course, these religious leaders. Because they didn't, they know what the Scriptures said about this man coming. But they are now, it's like they forgot it all happened. They were forgetting that what they knew. They were choosing to go in a different direction. And then from there, I think it's important for us to recognize too that Jesus continued from there and said, verse 37, go back to John chapter 10, verse 37. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father sent me apart and sent me into the world. I'm sorry, I just read verse 36. I'll read verse 37, Mel. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. Now let's look at that real quick. He is telling everyone, including us, as we look at this, what was Jesus put here to do? To be obedient to the Father. Carry out His work. Carry out the ministry that was assigned to Him. What is the ministry assigned to God? Assigned by God for Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That was his mission. That's John 3.16. That was his mission. That was what he was called to do. That's the responsibility that he had. And so he was carrying out his father's work. The religious leaders didn't want any part of that. And then we continue again in verse 38. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence, believe in the evidence 
of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Evidence. When there are court cases, a person commits a crime, it's up to the prosecution to come up with evidence to support the nature of the crime. Evidence. Something that can be seen, something that can be looked upon as proof of whether or not a crime was committed. Jesus, in performing his miracles, says, believe in the evidence. Jesus wouldn't have been much of a Savior if he had professed to try to bring someone back from the dead and it didn't work. Just kept talking over and over again. Little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. Young man, get up. And nothing happened. Well, that would pretty much be the end of that ministry. <laughs> if you make a, make a proclamation of doing that, that would be the end of it. He's saying, look at the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. How can a man blind born from birth now see? Because Jesus interacted with him. Well, that's because Jesus is the one who healed him of the blindness. And that man was used as a mighty testimony. He was the evidence of Jesus' healing. Let's fast forward to today. Have we not seen the evidence of miraculous things that Jesus has done? Amen? We have seen for ourselves evidence that we serve a God who is a faithful healer. He indeed has healed us. We won't get into the issues about, well, how come he heals some and doesn't heal others? Well, that's a whole different subject. But we know that there is evidence that he is present and that he's a healer because we've seen evidence of that in how he has lived and worked within our own lives. There's more to it about those that he allows those things to happen. That's why we have um, the thorn in the flesh issues that come up. Take away this pain. But the Lord says, you know what? My grace is sufficient. And that is true. His grace is sufficient. And we come back to that. And even that statement in itself is a healing for your very soul. Believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Because, you know what? There are people out there who need to see evidence of God's work. And God knows this. I mean, he, he came back and told all the, all the disciples, Oh, ye of little faith, because we all have little faith sometimes. And we have to see things. And what we recognize is that faith is going to be a challenge for us as believers to just stay true to the faith, believing. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. God knows exactly who you are. He knows your heart. 
He knows where you're coming from. Everyone here in this room is different. Of course, we're the same in Christ, but we're all different people, different personalities. Something had to take place in your lives where you had to recognize, okay, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. We serve a living God. But we have all these different descriptives of who Jesus is for the purpose of getting as many people to believe in who Jesus is because that's his desire. He desires for everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, we need to look at how that they accused him of calling himself God, but that's exactly who he was. Now, verse 39. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. Well, how did he get away? It doesn't say. But it's a, it's a crowd of people who picked up stones. And is this one Jesus? One man versus several men. And it just says he got away. Now, I've got to tell you something. When we look at this for what it is, Jesus keeps telling us it's not going to happen before his time. It's not going to take place in the manner that these guys are trying to take, have it take place. It's not going to take place in this manner. It has to take place on the cross. Shedding of blood. The sacrifice. It has to take place in a very visible manner. And that's what needs to occur. And he got away and left them. I wonder what the people who were standing there with these rocks in their hands, what they encountered with that. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not really... Um, did he go poof and disappear? Um, I don't believe he did that. I think there was something restraining them, though, however, from throwing the rocks and doing what they did, and he just got away. Um, because we know that after he rose from the dead, he did make these appearances in the rooms where he just kind of showed up or disappeared. That's because he was in a different state. But his physical body was much different. We don't really have a record of that in Scripture before he went to the cross. It's all speculation because we really don't know, but that's just using a little bit of logic from what Scripture says. It's not like he went poof. None of that bewitched stuff, right? You know, you bounce and nobody disappears. That those things like that. We have to understand that we're not talking about anything like that. Let's look at verse 40. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. Now, this section is very interesting. If you read too fast here, you might kind of miss something that's really important. Jesus went to different places and he returned to places where he came from. In fact, he was there, you know, when he had the when he went back to that place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. Remember, that's where he had the encounter with uh, God the Father and the Holy Spirit when he was being baptized. A very public event. And of course, the people who were living there, 
They remembered what happened. They remembered the things that John had said. John the Baptist. Verse 41. And many followed him. And many followed him. We know that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were on a campaign to destroy Jesus because they chose not to believe who Jesus was. But there were many who saw the evidence of the works, who saw and believed what Jesus had done. And look what it says. Went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while in verse 41. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another. But everything he said about this man has come true. Everything that he said. John the Baptist was the perfect lead-in for Jesus. The perfect lead-in. Now, this makes me think of something that's really weird. But I went to a concert many years ago. And the lead-in in the concert, you know, the first act before the main event comes on was Johnny Rivers. Okay, now who's Johnny Rivers? Well, he's a very pretty decent performer. In fact, I enjoy Johnny Rivers a great deal in that lead-in act. But the follow-up act was the Righteous Brothers. Now, i got to tell you something. The Righteous Brothers, they might be great on recording, but in concert, they were awful. I mean, it was a disappointment. It was a real letdown. It was a real letdown that the Righteous Brothers were just boring. It was a boring performance. Now, let, let me ask you this question. How bad would it have been if John the Baptist, as a lead-in, was better than Jesus as far as memories and what was happening. That would have been a real letdown, wouldn't it? But we're very thankful that Jesus more than stood up and was the great performer that he was. We're using the word performer. He was doing what the Father had told him to do. But John the Baptist was the perfect lead-in for Jesus because the people remembered everything he said about this man has come true. And that's even, you know, John the Baptist was remembered and of course he went to prison and he didn't get out of prison. And But even he had to ask questions when he was in prison. Is this the person that, am I, did I lead in for this guy? What's happening out there? And the message got back to him from Jesus. The blind are being healed, the sick are being healed, things are taking place. And that was to reassure him that he was, in fact, the perfect lead-in. He communicated exactly what was truth about who Jesus was. And look at verse 42, and, and this is really important for us to see here too. And many who were there believed in Jesus. And many who were there believed in Jesus. They saw the evidence they saw the works. And, you know, Jesus came back and said, Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. He was carrying out his Father's work. He was doing exactly what he was sent to do. He was the Messiah. 
John the Baptist gave the testimony that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm not worthy to tie the shoes of the one who's coming after me. He made the declaration. Now, remember I mentioned earlier about how there are so many people out there today who profess to know Jesus, say they know Jesus. We can't measure what's in their hearts. But we know that in the end times, there are people who are going to walk away from the faith because Scripture says so. But are they walking away as believers? Or are they walking away because they were play-acting? And I'll just tell you, believers are not going to walk away. Play actors will walk away because they never were in the faith. And it's really tragic to see those things. People that you thought, (laughs) that you think are in the faith. I mean, if we had a heart measuring mechanism to be able to determine who these people are, then we might be better off, but there's no such thing. It's a one-on-one relationship between Jesus and the heart of the individual. What do you think of Jesus? You have to be right about who He is. You have to be right about what He did for us on the cross. And if you don't necessarily conclude those things... What is Jesus telling us? Faith is necessary, but look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Look at the sun. Look at the moon, the stars. Where did this stuff come from? Look at what we have out here. We have to look to Jesus. And let's go back to what was said earlier here too. Jesus always said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And they respond. And if you're not a sheep, a member of the, of the people who are following Jesus, you're not going to hear him, and you don't want to hear him. You don't want to hear him. You always wonder how People make a decision to not want to hear Jesus. It's like the voice of Jesus is drowned out by others. Or you'd much rather listen to your own fleshly desires. The sheep, the true followers, the ones referred to here at the end in verse 42, who believed in him, they were the sheep that were able to hear God's voice. They believed the evidence. They believed in Jesus' teaching. May we continue to grow as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we continue to allow Him to teach us. As long as you're living and breathing, you still have more to learn. My brother over there, the pastor, he can tell you firsthand, he's still learning. He hasn't stopped learning about who Jesus is. And I think that that's important for us to all recognize as well too. All of us who are in 
the positions of teaching or whatever we're doing, guess what? We are all still learning. We, are, we do not have it all together. We do not in any way, shape, or form come as overqualified. We are still qualified. We're still trying to make sure we are qualified. And it's important as we go through life in a world that is just full of lies, full of deception, that we always stand on truth. Stay in the Word. You're looking at truth. Jesus warns us about those who will be false teachers and false prophets. He warns about it through His Word, not throughout the New Testament. Stay faithful. Stay true to the Word. Stay true to who Jesus is. He's, he is going to, frankly, He's going to affirm you as you stay close to Him. He'll let you know you're doing the right thing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your ongoing teaching and instruction. Thank You, Lord, for providing the evidence that we need to recognize You as Lord. You always spoke in truth. You never sinned. You never lied. And we thank You, Lord, in faith that that is truth. And we thank You, Lord, for how Your teaching reflect, is reflected we know that there are people out there who want to take your words in Scripture and turn them and switch them around or use them for own personal gain. Uh, Satan did the very same thing during the temptation when you were being tempted in the wilderness. Lord, may we be reminded over and over again that not one word, not one jot, not one tittle of your word will change. It's an eternal word. And we thank you for that promise as well too. Lord, help us again to continue to reflect you in everything that we do before others. Help us to be a testimony of who you are before others. And help us to stand firm in the faith. We thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us with another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Stay tuned online for the message uh, coming up, Your Reasonable Service. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. And for those of you who are coming to us to meet us in Akron, uh, we look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.